HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Enjoy food the way nature intended. Alaska Seafood, wild, natural, and sustainable. For more information, visit wildalaskaseafood.com. I'm HRN's Communication Director, Kat Johnson, with a preview of the next episode of Meat and 3, our weekly food news roundup. We're exploring the future of eating animals, and we're going beyond typical meat sources. If you look at the length of human history, we've been eating insects a lot longer than we haven't been in the United States and Western Europe. We're looking at unusual ways to purchase meat. People are like, really? Why would I want to buy that out of a machine? And we introduce you to Frank Reese, a poultry farmer whose traditional farming methods are featured in a new documentary. I'm a fourth-generation farmer in Kansas, and I focus basically all on standard-bred poultry and have my whole life. He's kind of the last one standing with these rarefied breeds that are so important for if we're going to eat chicken and turkey into the future. He's essential. He's a national treasure. Listen to Meat and 3 this week to better understand the history and the future of meat. Available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Allie Kane. Welcome to In the Sauce, a new podcast about building food brands. We live in a culture that romanticizes entrepreneurship and the hustle. But what I really want to hear are the stories from the trek uphill. I want the stories about the bruises and the scrapes we all get as we build our businesses. And I want to hear about the roads that led to nowhere and the lessons learned along the way. And I want advice in real time. This is the story of Haven's Kitchen Sauces, but it's also the story of every growing brand. Because we're all in the sauce. Today, I'm speaking with Courtney Becerro from Fresh Direct and Charlotte Meyer from Food Kick. Hi, ladies. Hi. <laughs> I'm super excited to have them on because our relationship with these guys has been pretty dreamy since day one. For some background, Fresh Direct was the first retailer that chose to sell our sauces and is now selling about 800 pouches a week-ish, Yep. Um, which is a lot more sauce than we thought we'd be selling seven <laughs> months into this process. And I wanted them on the show so they can help explain what makes a great brand, what they're looking for in brands, what they think about the future of grocery, and um, I guess basically just to get to know you a little more too, because, you know, it's fun. So um, I guess my first question for both of you is, did you know you wanted to be 
buyers for a grocery company when you were little? Was that a dream? Um, I'll start. Charlotte. <laughs> this is Charlotte. Um, I did not know that I wanted to be a buyer for a grocery company when I was little. I didn't know that that was even a thing that right. a person could do until much, much later in life. Um, I got into this because I went to graduate school in Italy for a year, actually. And as part of that grad school program, one of the things we did is um, visit producers and go on these study trips where we would sort of immerse ourselves in the food culture of a place oh, for cool. a week long Was period. it a food program? Yeah. Right. Um, it's called the University of Gastronomic Sciences. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, sort of over the course of that program, I realized that the thing that I love is like the product and the producers and mm-hmm. the stories behind it. And I really wanted to... Um, get people to understand why certain products are more expensive and what like a high quality product is and what it means. Um, so I sort of discovered that like in retail, there is this role. You can be the person who decides which products get into the marketplace and get customers to support those people that are making these amazing things. And, and did um, you go straight from that to food kick or no? Um, I worked for a specialty brick and mortar store based on in North Carolina. Oh, cool. um, yeah, called Southern Season. So I was there for a couple of years and then moved up here to work for Food Kick. That's so cool. What yeah, about you, cool. Courtney? Did you know that about Charlotte? I did not. <laughs> See? Did not. We've yeah. already, we We've could already just learned. be done. <laughs> yeah, I'm, just, it's like, yeah. I'm fascinated by yeah. that University of Gastro... What is it? Gastro- Gastronomic Sciences. Gastronomic yeah. Sciences. <laughs> it's incredible. Um, so I... Um, have I knew that you know being a buyer, a food buyer, was a thing. Um, my aunt was a buyer uh, in fashion oh, for cool. many years, right. so I knew about it, um, but wasn't necessarily something that like I ever dreamed of being. Right. Uh, until I started working for my father's bread distribution company here in New York, and I um, did a lot of like op- in operations and mm-hmm. um, sales and customer service, everything you could imagine. I, I was working for him for a few years and. Um, fell in love with the food industry and just the uh, the family oriented feeling that surrounds um, everything. Everybody in the industry, it's like you're feeding people, and right. um, ultimately, it's a it's a small community. You know that. So um, I fell in love with the industry itself, and I knew about Fresh Direct actually for. Um, uh, you know, since they first started, I'm from New York, so everybody knew about it. Right. Um, and I had actually applied for a job, but didn't have the e-commerce experience right. that they were looking for. So, you know, I went back into the workforce. I worked for an e-com company in merchandising. Um, and then when another role opened up, I um, applied for, you know, the merchandising role at Fresh Direct as a buyer. So right. and that's how I ended up there. Well, one of the things that I thought was kind of interesting when we were at the fancy food show like a year ago you know you you fresh direct was like the first retailer i guess that that was like we want this we definitely want this but there was definitely a discussion of which buyer gets it Mm -hmm. and we didn't even know what that meant so i mean if you're not a grocery person or you haven't had exposure to this world you know, every department of the grocery store, just for those of you out here who are interested in this, <laughs> has a different buyer or a different team of buyers. Yeah. And the meat people don't necessarily talk to the produce people. And the produce people don't necessarily talk to the dairy people. And we were originally in dairy yeah. because we're refrigerated. And one of the challenges of this particular 
product is that there's no what they call category for it, really. People didn't know where to put it. You know, it could go in produce, it could go in specialty, it mm-hmm. could go in dairy. Yeah. It eventually mm-hmm. got switched over to you, Courtney, yeah. in sauce because are we your only refrigerated product in um, your of your thing? Co- of your kind? Yeah. Yes. So um, exactly what you're saying. Um, there was um, like condiments, for example was broken up and like refrigerated and shelf stable. Right. I did all of shelf stable condiments right. and um, the refrigerated was under a different buyer, right. um, which could be confusing because you think condiments, you know. Well, for us, it was just challenging because even, and Fresh Direct was easier. I mean, online with both of you guys was easier than with a brick and mortar store because there's no physical location mm-hmm. where you have to make room for it on an mm-hmm. actual mm-hmm. shelf. So even though it was a little challenging at the beginning because you would have to click dairy, sauce, and then us, which, Mm -hmm. you know, was no one was doing that. Right. So we had to get people to go directly to it. Yeah. Um, But does Food Food Kick operates a little differently than Fresh Direct? We're just smaller in general. So we um, we have a smaller merchandising team. So I manage both the pantry categories and the dairy categories. So. For us, it was, you know, it's still the same buyer. So um, you get you get to, to, like, decide everything that goes on Food Kick? Um, everything that's not produce, meat, seafood, alcohol, wow. prepared foods. So how like many deli. samples a day do you get? <laughs> <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah. There's usually a mountain of boxes next to my desk. Yes. <laughs> and people just yeah. get your name and send you stuff. Pretty much, yeah. 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 We're not that hard to find. No. No. <laughs> the no. internet exists. Yeah. And even if they don't have our name, they'll send it to like, yeah. you know, uh, condiments buyer or like food kick yeah. buyer or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And so how did food kick come out? Like what happened that food kick kind of got birthed by Fresh Direct? And yeah. what, what would you say is the main sort of difference? Yeah. So food kick was born out of... Um, a realization on the fresh direct side, I would like six, five or six years ago now that um, there were a certain segment of customers that were lapsing with fresh direct because fresh direct wasn't necessarily convenient for them for like the way that they live their lifestyle. So um, there are a lot of customers who maybe aren't good at planning or who don't want to plan. So they can't plan to be home, you know, tomorrow or the next day for a two hour period of time to wait for their order. Right. So Fresh Direct identified, you know, there's this whole customer base for whom an on-demand delivery service is really necessary. Like me um, yesterday. Did yeah, you see exactly. my order yesterday or you I don't didn't. get to see it? <laughs> Unfortunately, we don't just get to watch orders oh, go out. Man. I think yeah. it's really fun. Um, I want to be like, hey. Yeah. yeah. Hi. I know I could have put a note in there. Right. Um, but yeah, so they recognized, again, like this need for an on-demand service and um, as a sort of complement to the Fresh Direct core business. So that's really where Food Kick came from. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, and have you seen it just like catch on and catch on yeah. and catch on? Yeah, it's been really fun. I mean, I've, I joined Food Kick a month after we launched. So I've been there really since the beginning mm. and we've just grown like crazy since then. So it's been, it's been that's fun. Cool. Yeah. And then Courtney, you buy all... Grocery, grocery pantry, pantry, mm-hmm. pantry. So, so what, what isn't grocery pantry? Cause um, I think of everything. As right. Grocery. Yeah. It's a little confusing. Um, but basically, um, everything in the grocery aisles that isn't beverages, HBA baby, like, um, health and beauty. Okay. Um, uh, baby pet, uh, and snacks. 
Got it. So that's yes. huge. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. pretty. They're pretty big categories. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of categories. They're pretty small right now, but you know, we're growing them as we continue to to scale the yeah. business. Mm-hmm. So. And you guys are in the process of a move. Yes. Yes. And yes. that move is going to give you broader reach north, or. Yes. Yeah, so we're um, we're moving into our brand new facility in the Bronx, and it's a uh, maybe. I don't know how much bigger it is in our current facility, but it's <laughs> a lot. It's a lot a bigger, lot. Right. yeah. And we're able to um, really expand our assortment into categories and brands that we just didn't have the space for, right? You know, for years, um, we've always been able to distinguish ourselves more on the fresh side, and our our um, produce and our meat, our seafood is top of the line, phenomenal, yep. and that's where we've um, really stood out for many years. Yeah, and now. For sure. Um, on the grocery side, uh, we're we're making sure that we're taking advantage of all of this new space we have, right. and we're going into um, you know segments of our assortment that we weren't able to before, and right. that'll allow us to also you know scale into different uh, cities and states on the East Coast. So we're really really excited. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, for us, it's just been a dream. You know, as a small brand, you know, we haven't had to just had like you know hire all these people to stand you know demos and merchandising and you know try Mm -hmm. some sauce and hear some sauce like the you know so much of our brand is built on social media and for us you know you see I'm like Mm -hmm. a swipe up to buy (laughs) Mm -hmm. fanatic um and so you know for a brand like ours that's fresh that can't do direct to consumer because it's just too expensive to do refrigerated Mm -hmm. direct to consumer it just makes a ton of sense to have an e-tailer that you can connect to mm-hmm. that will, you know, that will fulfill the order for you. Um, so before we take the break, I want to kind of go back a little bit into, you know, you could be a buyer for a whole host of things, right? And you're in food. And I just kind of want to hear a little bit about what that means to you. I mean, clearly you, you Charlotte, you <laughs> chose food as a path. Mm-hmm clearly you were thinking about sustainability and you were thinking about production and, Mm -hmm. but what was the, what was the thing when you, like, when did you start connecting with food? Like at what point in your lives and, and how did it speak to you? Uh, I think for me, this is Courtney. (laughs) (laughs) I think for me, um, a lot of it's cultural. Mm -hmm. You know, I come from a very large Hispanic family where food is how the family connects Right. You know, every holiday, every birthday, everybody was just getting together and it was who's making pasteles in the kitchen, you know, who's, uh, I don't know, boiling the rice and whatnot. And everybody had um, something, something to do in the kitchen. And as I got older and I started working for my father's company, um, I, I realized like how much I wanted to be part of the industry and mm-hmm. how I really wanted to impact it as much as I could in a positive way. Right. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I think for me, I mean, sort of a similar thing. I just always grew up, you know, like kind of around the family table and dinner time was like of paramount importance in my family. We were all home and present and that's when we talked and there was, you know, no phones, no TV, all that, all that good stuff. Um, but I always loved food. I always loved to eat. I, um, 
was re- I got really into baking. That was like my first kind of foray into the into mm-hmm. the kitchen. And I used to bake a lot in school and college as like a de stressor. So, right. what do um, they call that? Procrastinating. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I was a big procrastinator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I just always lo- I just loved food, and I didn't really think that I could be in food as a career right. until I sort of discovered this graduate school program, which I, yeah, I did sort of back into through an, an interest in sustainability and the right. environment and um, just kind of realized that it all does come back to food and like the production systems. And so interesting. I feel like, you know, the reason why I got into this, I mean, I, you know, I couldn't have done anything else really in my life other than this. Mm-hmm. I mean, this particular thing is just a weird offshoot of food period. But I do find that, like, you know, you get into, you know, you're in a cab or you're, you know, online somewhere or and no matter what is going on around you, if you're talking about like the lamb chops you made the other night, the guy or the lady or the person, three people away would be like, did you try that with, mm-hmm. you know, some horseradish? Like people <laughs> just yeah. it's such a connector. Yeah. And I feel like if you're not a food person, you're almost sort of like, what? Yeah. You know, confused by it. (laughs) I'm sure that there are architecture people and I know that there are art people, you know, and I'm sure there are fashion people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I just find that food people are the best people. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the most global connector, right? Like everyone needs it. And um, I read an article the other day. I don't know if you saw it in the journal about um, basically the, the author was saying that people just don't cook from home anymore. Mm-hmm. That, you know, it's just a dead craft. And I mean, the truth is there's a lot of research actually to the contrary. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of research that millennials actually are cooking much more. Men are cooking much more. Um, maybe they're cooking a little differently than what we think of as traditional cooking. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of where we come in with this sort of semi-homemade, you know, even if it's a rotisserie chicken and, you know, pre-cleaned salad, you're still cooking dinner. You know, you're still making something for your family. You're not ordering it in or like putting things from the salad bar into a container. Um, But do you guys find, I mean just judging from the carts and the people that are shopping and your demographics, like, are you finding that people are cooking? Definitely. Yeah. I think people, people still cook. I think you're right. The way that people cook has changed. And I think that's why products like yours do so well. It's really, it's a convenience thing and it's Mm -hmm. a way for people to make a really delicious meal and have it ready quickly. And, you know, you have this like amazing pre-made sauce that's super healthy, clean ingredients. Um, it's almost like a meal solution for a lot of people. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I would definitely say that, um, people are obviously still cooking. If not, I don't think we would be in business (laughs) as a company. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and I think particularly our customers, um, you know, are, very aware of what they're buying they they want to make sure that they're um, getting the best quality food if they didn't care about quality then they they probably wouldn't order from us right Um, obviously there's a convenience factor to it um, but you know obviously Mm -hmm. people are 
are cooking in a different way, which is why, you know, we're making sure that we carry brands like Haven's Kitchen to make sure that mm-hmm. we're mm-hmm. we're catering to these customers who cook at different levels. Right. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we have like the foodies that will cook from scratch and they're in the kitchen for an hour and a half and mm-hmm. they don't want a, a packaged chimichurri right. sauce. They want to make it Absolutely. themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you have people like, you know, me, I'm by myself and I like to cook almost every night. Right. You guys have cha- enhanced the quality of my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> Last so night nice. I made some uh, pork meatballs from the an Insta story thing yeah. that you had posted with the Romesco, with the Romesco. Well, oh, that was what goodness. I ordered from Food Kick. Oh, Yesterday, nice. I was, it, it was the Pride Parade, and I couldn't mm-hmm. really leave my house because mm-hmm. I'm, like, in the middle of it, and there was no going more than a few blocks. Mm-hmm. And so I ordered Food Kick, and I <laughs> nice. ordered Pat LaFrida turkey and our Romesco, which was, like, a kind of, like, surreal experience, ordering your own products <laughs> to be delivered actually, to your door. <laughs> I started, I did a little story of myself taking the Romesco out of the food kick bag, and then mm-hmm. I just I looked kind of too dorky to, to <laughs> post it, so I'll show it to you guys later. Cool. Um, yeah, and I just simmered them with tomato sauce, and I mixed the Romesco in with the burgers. Mm-hmm. Anywho, it more was phenomenal. Well, I made little meatballs. It was yeah, so good. Thank you. <laughs> all yeah. right. On that note, we're going to take a little break and then we're going to come back and talk all about what you're looking for in brands and um, all that fun, juicy stuff. Yay. Cool. Take a sip from your. Chalice just stand by my head. Think about what it takes to swim a coastline longer than the entire eastern seaboard and leap tall waterfalls in a single bound. What does it take to survive 200 feet deep in icy salt water? What would you be made of? Wild Alaska seafood is made of tight muscle mass long-chain omega-3s, and incredible micronutrients. It matters where your food comes from. Experience the flavor of the fittest in every bite and enjoy food the way nature intended. Alaska seafood, wild, natural, and sustainable. Ask for Alaska on the menu, grocery store, or smart device. For more information, visit wildalaskaseafood.com. Hi, I'm back with Courtney and Charlotte, our buyers from Fresh Direct and Food Kick. And um, I want to get back to the samples question. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, you know, I think it's so bold. I mean, I just, I know that it's what people do, but I just, it wouldn't occur to me to send a sample to someone who hadn't asked for one. And Mm -hmm. I know that that's a thing. So Mm -hmm. I'm not in any way like disparaging (laughs) thousands of people that have done it. And it's probably like good business. But I'm wondering sort of, you know, if you can walk me through your sort of sorting process. <laughs> so you get these things and they're all on your desk. And then I'm sure there's like a there's like rounds, I would imagine, of, OK, that's a no because we have mm-hmm. too much of this or. And then how does it like what are what is there a rubric for what you're looking <laughs> for? Is it the same for both of you? Is it a little different? Maybe I, I think it's different for every every buyer. Yeah, um, you know, I think Charlotte and I we both deal with refrigerated and non-refrigerated. So obviously the refrigerated stuff we need to get kind of tackle first. <laughs> right. Um, 
but um, it really depends on like what category I'm reviewing at the time, um, what assortment gaps we have. What's an assortment gap? So, um, like any items uh, within like a particular category that we're missing that we don't have, whether it's a flavor or a size or a package type. Um, and do you evaluate that? So you you're looking at all of that before you before you are even thinking about the products. Like you're aware of not only your categories, but wouldn't it be great if there was a blah blah that was this size and was turmeric flavored exactly right okay Mm -hmm. and then you might find one do you actively seek them out or does it usually come to you a lot of times um i'll seek out brands um you know instagram is and social media has become a uh an instrumental part of how i find brands um so uh, a lot of times like i'll reach out to a particular brand and i'll ask them for samples right when i know what i'm looking for right and then there are times where samples kind of just fall into our laps and we're like oh this is cool you know charlotte mm-hmm. did you have you seen this cool i don't know quinoa baking mix or thing. quinoa right. or you know right. cooking sauce right. <laughs> <laughs> um and you know we'll share and whatnot um mm-hmm. so i don't i don't know what uh, charlotte's personal experience is yeah i think managing samples is like a beast <laughs> right. so many yeah um, in terms of like a weaning pro or yeah. winnowing process. Yeah. Um, I mean, I usually, I've, I focus first on samples that come in in areas that I'm like actively working on. Um, so even if a product is really cool, but it's not necessarily an area that I think is an opportunity for us to expand, it right. probably doesn't make sense to move forward. Right. Um, so that's sort of the first step. And then of course we taste everything like yeah quality of taste is like the most important thing that we're looking for right sure. we want to deliver our customers amazing products um and then you know we look at things like packaging is this going to pop off the website pricing does it make sense right. to a customer i mean um so yeah there's I, I would say there is a rubric that's like internal it's like internalized yeah <laughs> Um, so if you had to sort of say like what you're looking for specifically, mm-hmm. you're looking for something that fills a gap in what you already offer. You're looking for yes or y- yes, but also so, I mean, if like I would say, so I just did a review of the ice cream category, which is a really fun category to review. Can you guys also explain, sorry to interrupt yeah. you, but can you explain the review process? Because we didn't know about that yeah. either. Like there are, every store does their different reviews of different categories at different times. Mm-hmm. And like what we're learning is that I don't even know about your review, <laughs> but I know like our review at Whole Foods, there's like a process before mm-hmm. the review and we have to sort of be aware that the review is happening mm-hmm. and you have to know when your category is getting reviewed. And then the review sort of determines, I guess, if they're keeping you or if they're maybe expanding you to different regions and things like that. But I had no, I didn't even know what that was until about a month ago. So is it similar with you guys? Do you do, or is that the review process for you? Um, so we'll, we'll, um, we'll look at all of our categories and. How many are there? Uh, <laughs> hundreds. I, yeah, <laughs> really? I know wow. that I have 92 subcategories. Yeah. I found out. Wow. Or I figured it out the other day. That's yeah. a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a lot. <laughs> it's like a grocery store. But. So yeah, we'll look at um, 
strategically at which categories we need to focus on. Right. Um, you know, a lot of times it's from, you know, a high level perspective of, you know, impact on revenue, um, you know, where the most opportunities for growth are. Um, and then once we dive into the category, um, you know, there's the process of doing all of the research and figuring out the brands that we should be carrying that we don't carry. Right. Um, like what's trending right now, like what's super hip. Right. Mm-hmm. That we need to make sure that, you know, we're not only keeping up with, but that we're also ahead of the trend. Right. And how do we how do we get ahead of that? Well, trend? you're ahead on this trend. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies, let me know. Yeah, you yeah. know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think someone explained to me or yeah, explained it to me once as top down versus bottom up. And okay. so some of it is like a review is like a deep dive into a category. And so we look a lot at our own data and what's working for us and which brands and sort of where we're seeing growth. And we look to fuel those fires, but then there's, and so that is what I would call like top down merchandising, but Mm -hmm. then there's also bottom up, which is just like, I found a really great product and I'm going to bring it in and launch it and try it. And, um, I think we do both things. Beautifully yeah. said. Oh, no, that's really. very cool. Is there is there like a closet for the? <laughs> there is a closet. Yes, there is and a it, sample and people room can just yeah. like go eat if they're bored or. You're yeah. not supposed to take samples that aren't yours. Yes, there is. There's an etiquette to the mm-hmm. sample, closet. sample closet. Yes, yes, yes. got it. You know, so it's, it's not like in the like in the movies of like Devil Wears Prada where all the clothes is in the <laughs> <laughs> and anyone can just yeah. go take a pair of Manolos. Like, yeah, you no. can't just take that's a, a like sample a hemp, room like faux pas. Yes, right. Okay. Yeah, you will get some nasty looks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And even the samples that you're not like, let's say you've decided not to carry something, mm-hmm. is that sample then like anyone can take home or? Yeah. So usually if we've decided against something, we'll put it out in like the kitchen or a shared space and people know there's like a certain yeah. table. People know they yeah, can the take Bermuda, anything. The Bermuda Triangle of yeah. samples. Yeah. <laughs> like once you, 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 you have to be careful because if you put, let's say your lunch there for like oh, a yeah. hot second, it's gone. It's gone. Yeah, people will think it's up for grabs and yeah, you turn around. So it's funny. Gone. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, for the, for the most part, like, you know, we'll, and for me, I'll get samples. I'll look at the brand. I'll look at the flavors and whatnot. Um, I'll try them. But a lot of times we're getting like two, three, four units of the same product. Right. Mm-hmm. There's no re- There's no need for me to have that many. Right. Um, so they go into the Bermuda Triangle. Go into the, yeah. And then one goes into the sample closet. <laughs> yeah, sample. Yeah, yeah we'll, right. we'll put it away um, depending on, if, you know, the, if we want other people to try it or whatnot. And, and is there like an organized, is there like sample trying on Fridays at <laughs> eight? Like, or is it kind of on a flow? Like, is there a specific time when you're like, we're trying these samples and we're going to talk about these samples or... Is it just kind of like, oh, I like this. What do you think? Should we make it work? Um, I think there are, there are moments where they're, um, it's more formalized. Um, well, you guys we'll- are giving like a real behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm so interested. I, I might be like one of three people. But Good. I do think it's really interesting. Like mm-hmm. no one knows this. Yeah. I, just yeah. Said, I, I mean, just to, people think that, you know, you make a product and if it's good... You put it in the grocery store, and if it's good, people buy it. Mm-hmm. That's it. Like that's, yeah. what, that's what you think that the the whole thing is. Yeah, yeah. And then there's, you find out that actually there's like 
a gazillion things in between mm-hmm. you make up. First of all, you make a product as if that's like just easy, just an easy thing to do. That's why we had the operations guru on a couple <laughs> weeks ago. Yeah. But, you know, there's this massive gap between making a product, having it ready to go and then actually having it out there for people to buy, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it kind of it's very confusing. It once you start to learn a little bit about it, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, it, it definitely a lot goes on behind the scenes. Um, and I think that we're lucky enough at uh, Fresh Direct and, and having the Food Kick team so close, like we, within the same um, office space, you know, being able to um, try different things and get each other's opinions. Right. You know, I'm, yeah, I manage, you know, grocery pantry, but, you know, there are some things that I don't necessarily like taste-wise. Right. So my opinion on how it tastes may not be the best one. And right. that's where, you know, it's my responsibility as a buyer, you know, to to make the best decision for the category. And how do I do that? And so I I seek uh, feedback from my colleagues who I trust, you know, and, right. and they're going to give me their honest feedback on mm-hmm. texture and taste and whatnot. And right. um, so we're lucky, I think, to be in that kind of environment where just everybody is just so obsessed with food. I think a really fun sitcom would be a buyer who has awful taste <laughs> you know what i mean yeah they're like this is delicious <laughs> like, it's like what yeah um, or like no palate at all yeah. and like no understanding of anything <laughs> yeah you know like i love this i um, wouldn't want to shop at that store no, yeah. <laughs> it would just be kind of a funny yeah. you know premise of a show yeah, yeah. um so now let's say a sample works and the pricing works and it's gonna pop and mm-hmm. you're excited and what are some red flags when you start working with a company, um, you know, a vendor that just like, when does your like, whoop, go up a little bit? Um, and then what are the things that you're really looking for that you love and you don't have to like, we don't have to talk about Haven's <laughs> What What are the things that you really love about when you're working with a company and like what are your favorite types of companies to work with so those are mm-hmm. three questions so it's a lot i know yeah. i'll break it back <laughs> i'll go back i'll rewind but what are the red flags have you ever had to say like sorry we're we can't work with you anymore yeah i mean we've had moments you know uh, situations where we've had to cut the cut ties unfortunately and it's never a, a pleasant conversation you want right. to have mm-hmm. um is but it usually just based on sales I, it, it, there could be a variety of reasons, right. um, you know, from from sales to you know moral standing, um, <laughs> right? Behavior, yeah, behaviors exactly, or like unfortunate bad publicity. Um, right. I know red flags for me, uh, like sketchy AF ingredients, right? Especially for like a newer, younger brand. If you have like a ton of like, if your ingredient label is just full of stuff, stuff. yeah. It's my question is always why. Well, I think also what's getting confusing is, I don't know if you saw my Instagram post this morning, but it's that, it you know, by Marie Andrew, she's like the illustrator. So she did like a decades thing of like food things that were popular in the 80s, the 90s, the aughts, as they call them, Mm -hmm. the 10s or whatever. And then today, and it, you know, it was like Gruyere mac and cheese and cocktails and like Oh, yeah, glass. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And then for 2018, it was charcoal, um, I think matcha. Mm-hmm. Turmeric, and, maybe? Or maybe turmeric yeah. and oat milk. Yeah. I mean, and... <laughs> oh, oat milk is huge. I mean, so big. I know. Yeah. And it, but, but charcoal 
is mm-hmm. not actually an ingredient in food. Like I think part well, of your now it is. Well, right. <laughs> I mean, and that's I think that's partly what's confusing yeah. because you know you want a clean ingredient label and you want to be eating food, but now there's this whole like wellness umbrella, mm-hmm. which considers things that aren't actually the FDA probably doesn't even know what the heck to do with. And by the time it even gets to them, it's been years on the market. So there are these herbs and adaptogenics and things like that, that, that are they, are they food? Like, Mm -hmm. I guess to some extent, but you know, yeah. Yeah. The ingredient labels, (laughs) I guess my point is, is they might not be filled with, as many additives and preservatives mm-hmm. and they might be sort of cleaner that way, mm-hmm. but they're definitely getting more complicated. Yeah. yeah. And I think that goes back to what I mentioned earlier um, when we're reviewing the assortment and we're looking at, you know, samples and products is what are, what is trending right now? You know, right. and we had as a team at Fresh Direct, we had a, you know, we have meetings on you know, what's trending, like what is What's going on in the market that we need to be aware of? Right. You know, charcoal. That, yeah. And charcoal it, it actually came up, you know. <laughs> I, I don't get it. I had charcoal ice cream the other day. And my, <laughs> all my teeth were like gray. <laughs> and my kids yeah. were like, you should go look. And I'm like, what? You know, like, with, like, the big... Have you ever brushed your teeth with a charcoal toothpaste? No. Yes. It's crazy. Didn't we do I that we together? Did it together? We did yeah. it together at a trade at, show. Yes. I fancy know. Food last I year. just, yeah. I don't. I mean, I get, I'm sure there's just something I'm missing, but yeah. I mean, we're just so much about like real food mm-hmm. and eating real food. Um, but so other, re- other red flags, um, Is, has there ever been a company you're just like, Oh, I can't deal with them. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're just I awful mean, to deal with. I think like, this is sort of the inverse of my answer to the next question, right. but it's what like you're looking for what I'm. I, what I'm looking for are people that are really passionate and really believe in the product. And so when I don't necessarily get a sense for that passion, right. Mm -hmm. Um, to me, that's a red flag for sure because it's, it, this is a hard business. So if Mm -hmm. you don't have the passion to fuel you, then you're not, I'm not sure if there's much, you know, staying power. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. I mean, that's one thing we were talking about, just the expression labor of love, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, (laughs) it's gotta be more than just like love. There's Mm got to be something else because it's really hard. I mean, I thought brick and mortar was hard, but Mm -hmm. this is really hard. And you're going into people's homes, you know, like it's a big responsibility also. Yeah. Yeah. I I think another thing that I look for is um, just what what the overall experience is. So I like to take a lot of my samples home and cook with them at home. Right. Because it's one thing to cook in, in, in the office and share it and get people's opinion. It's another thing to actually you know, take the product out of the, out of the bag, open mm-hmm. it up in my kitchen and mix it and feel it f- like how the customer would feel. Yeah. So mm-hmm. for me, if it, if it doesn't feel comfortable, like I, I think about that a little bit more. Um, and I don't know, um, maybe this is just a side note. Right. Um, but I really hate when vendors send samples with peanuts, you know, the little foam peanuts. Oh yes. It really breaks my heart. Yeah. And they're also really annoying. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's actually when customers, sorry, when vendors <laughs> send samples and it's like a little jar and a humongous uh, box. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's this so is the best it is. No, it's not good. No, like I the know. environmental impact of this. Yes, Come on. we care about these we things. About yeah. Oh my gosh. Note to all vendors yeah. out there. Yeah. Don't send little jars with peanuts in big boxes. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, that's a good thing for people to know. Um, 
so going back to social media, because Courtney, you were saying that you look at Instagram for ideas of who to carry. And Charlotte, I would imagine that food kick is sort of much more ingrained in social media to some Mm -hmm. extent than fresh direct is for some reason. It just feels like it's more, it's more social media. E I don't know. I feel like, is that the case? I feel like when I order food kick, I'm on my phone. When I order fresh direct, I'm on my laptop. Mm -hmm. Is there a, is that, a thought out thing or is that just how it kind of pans out? Well, food kick did launch mobile first. So we were for about 10 months, only a service that you could use through, through the app. Um, I don't know necessarily how that kind of informs our relationship with social media versus right. Fresh directs. But, um, when we definitely, I would say target a more millennial customer. So I guess that, right. You know, lends itself to a social media. Do you also look on Instagram for, I do. Yeah. I love getting into like the Instagram (laughs) rabbit holes. Yes. (laughs) You have to, cool products takes Mm -hmm. a long, it's a lot of time. Yeah. I've noticed, you know, and I actually try not to do it so much because it makes me feel like I'm not doing things well. You know, yeah. Like I feel like my fifteen-year-old daughter. Yeah, a little bit. There's That's a f- like definitely a fine line, mm-hmm. I would say, with with the social media. Right. You know, going down that rabbit hole is really great. I think mm-hmm. when you like, when you're searching for brands and like, mm-hmm. a particular hashtag, and you wanna, you know, you wanna find something cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, of course, like. I half the time I just want to open up Instagram just to scroll through and then it's a waste of time. And, and I got a really good song from your story the other yes. day that I promptly like <laughs> downloaded or Spotify or whatever. It's such a good and, like, song. Made everyone yeah. listen to it. I and I guess, how, can you tell on the back end, like how much is, is swipe up to buy? Like, can you trace where people are coming from when they buy things or not really? You just know that they're putting in the order. I don't, that's information yeah. that we're not necessarily privy to. It's a right. different team. Yeah. So I'm not sure. I can't can tell it. in right. our metrics, but yeah, the social team may have some insight into right. that. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It. And I think it's, it's just such a necessary part of business right. mm-hmm. now for, for companies nowadays. Like Fresh Direct started before the whole gram, you know, right. was a thing and uh, social media was mm-hmm. as you know influential as it is. Um, but it's just become a natural part of our you know, our, our marketing campaigns and right. it's like, okay, we're going to do, you know, this push and we're going to do a homepage banner. We're going to do that and emails and, oh yeah, an Instagram post. It's just like, right. it's, n- it's just already part of the conversation. And I think for any business, regardless of the industry, right. if you want to reach people, like that's it's the best way to, to yeah. do it in a lot of cases and the most cost effective, especially for smaller businesses. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't think we would have been able t- to launch without it your, mean, your social media also just blows me away like yeah, your following beautiful. is yes your pictures are beautiful you. and your followers are just like so loyal and yeah, they are uh, like every time i think like because you you direct customers straight to us yeah. at fresh Direct, and i'm telling you it's like probably the best thing you could have done for you know your success at fresh direct because mm-hmm. your customers trust you yeah you know if, if you tell them like well, this is where we you know you can buy our products like totally they're going to trust you more than they trust me. Well, not only that, I mean, thank you. (laughs) But you know what we, I mean, when we, I think the first purchase order, like we, we sent you guys sauce 
And then because, like I said, who would know to go dairy sauce and then page six and find our little pouch. Mm -hmm. So we had to, I mean, obviously I was like, here's our sauce and swipe up to buy. And then it sold out in like a day and a half, which we thought was a mistake. (laughs) And then it happened again. And we still, I was like, there's, I, I went, I thought it was like when I was away because it was over Christmas break. So I thought there was like, I thought, there was I wrote to you like is well, something wrong th- with your was, site or that something that was actually prior to me managing the, oh, right. the category that's right yeah. that, that was, was when it was still in dairy yeah right. um, and technically it still is in dairy I'm right. just now managing condiments right. within the dairy space okay um, I think I started managing your brand around March right maybe mm-hmm. so we were already like big time uh, yeah <laughs> yeah but I remember but, I remember like you know having the out of stock issues because like we just yeah. we couldn't forecast you know, to I meet know. the demand, we didn't expect, and not that we didn't have faith. No, we you didn't guys either. just exceeded expectations. So it was, it's a we, <laughs> we. I mean, we. I literally, I don't know if I, if you even know the story, but we got out the first PO, and we were at the Hot Bread Kitchen Incubator, and we were like, awesome, yay, high fives all around, cool. Now we can like take a break for like two or three weeks and like regroup, and then the next PO came in. A, 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 the day like, yeah. yeah literally a day later yeah. well i remember because we had talked about you know you'll launch on fresh direct and then we'll bring it over to food kick because right. we'll just pull the product over and you emailed me and you said I, we just delivered our first order to fresh direct so you guys can go live and i went in the system and looked at the inventory and i was like you're already sold out that's not, <laughs> I'm, i can't bring it into food kick <laughs> I yeah i was like it you guys crazy. it just flew off the shelves immediately yeah. which is a great problem to have so much fun. Yeah, yeah it really is So if you guys, I like asking this question because if you, let's say you were writing a book together. Let's say you were (laughs) co-authoring a book on merchandising in the grocery world. Um, What are some things that you would like people to know? Like about either your jobs or what they're eating or just if you could write a book. (laughs) Uh, It's... (laughs) We are actually talking about this outside <laughs> waiting for you. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know about Charlotte, if she's necessarily on the same page now. <laughs> but, you know, like the, uh, I don't know if I can say. You can say anything. Oh, like Humans of New York, those, like yeah. the book, right? I have yes. the Felines of New York Someone version said on penis my. penis last week. Oh. So Humans of New York is totally uh, they, allowed. Last week, I also heard dick pic. I said, <laughs> I, I, I did say that. And David, I checked with David and he gave me the thumbs up. So I think, is Humans of New York okay? <laughs> Yeah, that's okay. Uh, but more of like the grocers of New York. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and just like a picture of just like oh my a buyer and just, you know. Yeah. I don't I hate it when they when when brands include peanuts in their bo- in the sample yeah. packages and just like talk a little bit to their experience as a buyer. That yeah. would be an amazing <laughs> book. Well, cuz it's like you said most people don't realize that there's a that human being human. deciding which products go on the shelves and absolutely how we talk about them and yeah. you know. No, and most yeah. people don't assume that you care all that much. Right. I mean, you know, maybe you guys more than, you know, some of the like more traditional, older grocers. Thank you. We try. Yeah. Um, but I do think that there's sort of this 
demystification. And I think that one of the things that, you know, because I taught this class at NYU about food systems and contemporary society. You just keep getting, like, more admirable. What don't you do, Ellie? (laughs) Sleep. (laughs) A lot. I also, I don't, well, there are other things that I don't do, but we can talk about that later. But one of the, but this whole experience of building this brand has almost been like a little mini class on the food system because Mm -hmm. people want things that are inexpensive but they also want really high quality and that's a problem in and of itself right that the Mm -hmm. consumer has been sort of trained in that way to think that they somehow should be getting really high quality stuff for less or that somehow they're used to low quality stuff for less so that they they kind of resent the fact when high quality things are more expensive. And I mm-hmm. think that there's been like a little bit of a shift in, you know, the understanding of of actual farm labor and, and you know, how much goes into a quality product. But what people don't really understand is how many steps there are in between making that product and getting it to them on the shelf. So mm-hmm. they don't think about packaging and they certainly don't think about distribution, which, you know is a doozy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, and they, they don't think about promotions and they don't think about, you know, free cases and all mm-hmm. that stuff that little companies have to make up for somehow, unless you want to build a business that's just losing money and then you overcapitalize it, you know, yeah. in hopes that someday it sells to a big company. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've sort of set up the system a little bit. So I like the idea of humanizing it so that people in a way know. So maybe yeah. you guys can go back and write a book. Yeah. yeah. yeah I like would that. love to do the grocers of New York, <laughs> but then also include stories of producers and the products. Yeah. Because I think, I mean, to your point, people sometimes don't understand why a high quality product does cost more. Um, and I always say, you know, like it's not expensive or it, there's a difference right. between expensive and overpriced. Right. Yeah. Um, and sort of getting people to understand why it's important to pay for quality and why it's important to pay for good ingredients. Right. I mean, super, super important. So, yeah. I mean, I think that's why like at Fresh Direct, we do a lot of like producer stories where, you know, we highlight right. who these producers are, what right. this, what the product really means to them, what the process is, mm-hmm. and like how it gets to you as a customer. That's um, why you guys have such a great platform. You know, the thing about being able to look at a computer screen and read that, as opposed to having to run into the grocery store mm-hmm. and just grab something. You know, yeah. you can see like a little sign with so- like a farmer's face on it or something like that. But really, being able to tell the story yeah. is an opportunity yeah. you guys have. You know. Yeah, which is another to our earlier conversation about social media. That's another kind of important aspect of social media because it is great that you can, you know, read the story on your screen, but it also is a challenge for an e-commerce retailer to not be able to provide that sort of experiential um, shopping or like immersive shopping experience that you would get in a store. So, you know, social media is just another channel that we have to do some of the storytelling that we may not have the opportunity to do on the site. And, um, how do you yeah. see people yeah. food shopping in five years? Same as they are now? Or shopping in general? Will they get some stuff just from Amazon and other stuff from you guys and go to the you know, grocery store occasionally? Or? I, mean, I don't think Amazon's going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I yeah. heard they weren't. No. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I think... I think... 
they'll consumers will still shop online obviously and hopefully they do because that's that's how we <laughs> that's how right. we have a job right <laughs> um but i also think that um because of the consumer's awareness and education on what food, like what's going into their bodies and what they're bringing into their home, I think we're going to see a lot more of like smaller farmer markets become mm-hmm. more accessible in urban areas. Um, hope so. Yeah, exactly. Right. You, you re- that's the expectation. Right. Uh, I hope so as as a human being. <laughs> um, and I think that um, obviously, you know these. Online shoppings—they're not—they're shopping. Um, I'm sorry, marketplaces aren't going going anywhere. Um, but I think that we're going going to see retailers such as us, like really shift and make sure that we are catering to the customer and for giving them the brands and the products that make them feel good and that they that they want to bring right. into their home. Right. Um, yeah. Totally. I think I was going to say a similar thing. Like I think customers are just becoming more and more savvy about ingredients and quality again. I think, I mean, people are just getting busier and busier too. So I think convenience, being able to, you know, provide solutions for customers is going to be even more important. That's our whole MO. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, you know, I think as a cooking school Mm -hmm. are, you know, we kind of looked at ourselves and we're like, how many people, if our goal is really to teach the world to cook, Mm-hmm. because it makes the world a better place, which is just hands down the goal. Mm-hmm. How many people can we actually teach to cook when you get 12 to 14 people a night mm-hmm. in these seats or, you know, through the cookbook or, you know, actually this sauce teaches people how to cook kind of inadvertently because, yeah. you know, now you can focus on like, how's the best way to roast my like my broccoli before I put the romesco on it? And it also you know? like, I think products like like your sauces they help the customer get one ahead, one step ahead of right. of brainstorming on what to make tonight yep. you know and which uh, is yeah, stressful yeah, yeah recently you know we put together um this awesome like what we call like a picks list or like mm-hmm. a like um a homepage list of like easy week weeknight dinners that we right. put together and we you guys were featured on it and you know, we gave um, a couple of options for meat mm-hmm. and a sauce and whatever, a couple of little ingredients. And then right above it, it was a couple of sentences on, you know, how to make, right. you know, this awesome, I don't know, grilled steak. And like customers went crazy That's over that. Awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, you yeah. guys, you went out of stock. Which <laughs> I know it's like, quote unquote, a good problem to have, but no, no. it's, <laughs> it's so stressful. But that means that, that right. customers are really responding yeah. well to that sort of content and right. inspiration and being able to provide just a little bit less effort on their end to think about, mm-hmm. oh, right. shit, what do I make tonight? Right. Yeah. You know, I don't want to order out again. Right. How do you bring that inspiration top of mind and make it easy for them? Yeah, yeah. and what we're hoping is that people don't just decide only to get private label everything, you know, that like there's still a place for like a brand that you love and you feel connected to, you know, they're Mm going to be less expensive chimichurris in the world. There already are. And there are going to be more and more grocers that are going to be making their own stuff. And we know that, but what we're hoping is that there's a connection, you know, to something like there's always going to be, the no name brand. And then there's always going to be, we're hoping, and there will be a flushing, I'm sure of some overpriced nonsense things in the world, but we're hoping to sort of 
withstand that. Last question. Oh, no, go on. Oh, I was just going to say, I think there will always be room for brands. I mean, food is such an emotional thing. And I think people connect to something that they really trust. And so if you can build a brand that people trust, there's always space for that. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Well, I think on that note, that's actually the best way to end because building a brand that people can trust is sort of the goal. Um, so I want to thank you guys both so much for coming on the show. It went really quick, didn't yeah, it? Thank yeah, you it for having yeah. us. Yeah, thank no. you. Um, and I'm excited to see you at the Fancy Food Show. <laughs> yes, in a week. <laughs> yes, Yahoo. we're so excited. Yeah. <laughs> um, thank you, David, for being our engineer. As always, you're the best engineer ever. And we'll see you next time on In the Sauce. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Thank you.